Well, uh, it's time to go back to school, and in fact, uh, I've got 10 minutes to preach a 25-minute sermon. So, you guys think I talk fast. Let's see how, uh, how fast I can talk. Hey, we're probably going to go a little over today, so if you've got to leave, feel free to do that. You're probably going to miss all the good stuff, but uh, no, if you've got a jet, that's totally fine. Uh, we're probably just going to go a little over just to prep you guys today of what we're going to do. But we're in this series, and it's called Back to Bible School, and, uh, and uh, Pastor Jeff mentioned a phrase, and, and he, I really liked it, where he said it's not only going back to school, but it's about being schooled in the Bible. And that's really what this sense of this uh, series is, is we've been working through some common themes of the book of James. If you know James, he was a pastor. He was also the brother of Jesus, younger brother of Jesus, who became a prominent church leader in the early church, especially in the region of Jerusalem. And now his church, uh, the Christians there, were all Jewish converts, mostly. And, and as they begin to scatter around the world, he's writing this letter to circulate to all these different places and churches that they've gone throughout away from Jerusalem to remind them of some key themes that are important for them to embrace, themes that maybe they even heard him preach. He's probably saying, hey, you remember that series on this? You remember that series on this? And so as he responds to that, we're drawing out some key themes throughout the book of James that I believe really have some key points for us to learn about them today. Now we're going to jump right into it today, and I encourage you guys to find it. It's James chapter 2. If you brought your tablet or your smartphone, you want to boot up the Bible app and join that, you can find us always under events, Davison Free Methodist Church. You can find us there. If we're not there today, we'll get that in. You can also find it in the Pew Bible on 12, uh, page 1217. Um, but this is what it says. What good is it, my brothers and sisters? If someone claims to have faith, but has no deeds. Faith is our connection to God. Faith is how we understand God. Faith is, is how we understand how God sees us. And deeds simply are what? The way, what we act, what we do, right? Maybe in response to that faith, but it's what we do on a regular basis. So he's balancing these two. He says, if someone claims to have faith, but no deeds, can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accomplished by action, is dead. He goes on to say this, but some of you will say, you have faith, I have deeds. In other words, I got faith, you got deeds, let's just be who we are, right? He says, show me your faith without deeds. He says, show me what you do in your belief system and your connection with God that doesn't produce anything, that doesn't manifest itself in action. Show me that, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. This is so key. This verse more than anyone else. Get this again. I will show you my faith by my deeds. What James is saying is the faith that we have, the connection with God, this vertical connection and understanding who God is and how it relates to us needs to manifest, needs to show itself in how we act, in what we do. You believe that there is one God. That's something you believe. That's this belief up here. Well, even the demons believe that. 
You foolish person, do you want the evidence that faith without deeds is useless? And he ties back into a story from the Old Testament that all these Jewish uh, converts would totally understand and know. He says, was it not our father Abraham considered righteousness for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? He did this act of offering, he, this act of giving. When you see that faith and actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did, not just by what he believed. You see that a person is considered righteousness by what they do and not by faith alone. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Now this is a, a key concept and maybe you, you don't kind of understand this or grasp this idea. Uh, maybe it's not something you struggle with on a daily basis, but in the early church, they experienced this. Now in the Jewish culture, they grew up with this idea that it was all about a vertical relationship with God. It was all about how God saw me and what I could do to improve my relationship with God. And if that happened to improve uh, my relationship around with other people, around with the world, kind of a horizontal relationship, then fine. But as long as I'm good here, everything else is good. So these Jews have then spread out into the world and they're realizing, he's reminding them, hey, if you really want an evidence of your firm connection with God, that needs can only be lived out, not in what you say, not in what you believe, but in how you act. Remember Jesus' words that said, the world will know you are my followers, by the way you love, by the way you love one another, not by the way what you believe or how firm your theology is or how set your theology is in this vertical relationship. The world will know that you're following Christ by the way you treat other people, by what you do. Now, this is a key concept, and I think maybe you guys kind of understand this a little bit, that when there is a change in leadership on the top, a change in belief system, a change in a vertical relationship, the horizontal action needs to change too. Now, let's, let, me, let me suppose something, okay? Let me give you an example. Let's imagine that the state of Michigan had a professional football team. Let's just imagine, okay? Let's imagine that we had a state, so, and we were actually good, okay? And we, 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 had, we had a great, so let's say you have a great, great season, all of a sudden you have a couple bad seasons, and we, we know what a bad season, who in here know what a bad professional football season is? Okay, yeah, we've been there, all right, so we, we understand this. So what happens when there's a bad football season? What do you do? Well, one of the things that you consider is making a change at the top, right? You make a change in leadership. And when you make a change in leadership, the expectation is, like last year, when we brought in a new coach for the Detroit Lions, we expected things to change. Now, we're a little wiser than that, maybe seasoned, maybe beat down uh, as, as Detroit Lions fans. We know things are not going to change. But we hope that when there's a change of leadership, that there's a change in results. So when the leadership changes, so when you put your faith in Jesus, when you trust in Jesus and he takes over the leadership of your life, these things around here, guess what? Need to change. There needs to be evidence of your faith around you. And if there is no evidence, if there's no change, was there really any connection vertically? Any connection in your faith? 
James would argue no. That this connection never really happened because it only can manifest itself in how you treat other people, how you initiate and act upon the faith around you. Now, I remember uh, in 2008, I became, uh, had the opportunity of becoming a lead pastor for the very first time in Alpena, Michigan. Who here has ever been to Alpena, Michigan? Okay, why? <laughs> I always wondered that because when we lived there, no one just was stopping through Alpena. It was always, we're going to Alpena. You had to have a purpose to get to Alpena. And that's why people lived there. They liked it. It was out in the middle of nowhere. It was remote. And, uh, and we, we loved the people there. It was a great opportunity for us. And I was invited to become their lead pastor. I say lead pastor, but really I was the only pastor. So I was the only pastor of the, of the Alpena Free Methodist Church. And when I stepped in, when I became leader over that, I expected hey, let's change some things. Now, who here has ever grown up in the church? Who here has ever been through a pastoral change in the church? Who here has ever seen a pastor come in and change things in the first month? So I started to change things because I thought, hey, they're going to have to see some changes, right? So one of the things that I did is I moved the pulpit. And they called a board meeting. Shane, we need to talk about moving the pulpit. Well, then I started to change some other events that weren't working and just kind of eliminate some things. This is my first month there, right? And then they called another board meeting to talk about those. We did a lot and lots of board meetings, let me tell you. And I remember in that moment, I was really thinking, I need to do something. I need to prove myself. I need to make some kind of a visible change in the world around me and in the ministry around me. So I moved the pulpit, and I canceled programming, and I, and I changed some things here or there. But then all of a sudden, I got a phone call from my boss's boss. I got a phone call from the Free Methodist Church World Ministry Center. Sounds like the Death Star, doesn't it? <laughs> the, the, the headquarters of the Free Methodist Church. They called me up and they said, okay, so you're a new pastor there. Um, tell me some of the new exciting things that are going on at Alpena Free Methodist Church so that we could share them with the rest of the Free Methodist Church USA. And I said, well, I moved the pulpit. <laughs> I canceled this program. I made a change here in the bulletin. And they stopped. And, and what they asked me has really stuck with me for the rest of my ministry. And they said, we were looking for more like, uh, have you done anything to kind of reach out to people or kind of help in the community? Well, I moved the pulpit. No, that's not really what we're looking for. And I struggled with that. Because I realized that if there was some change up here, there needs to be some purposeful change on the outside. And sometimes in our life, when we make a change or we reorientate our life to Jesus and we live for Jesus, we make a change that kind of just benefits us, maybe something we want to do. Maybe we say, hey, I'm just going to, I'm going to start another Bible study or I'm going to read more, I'm going to pray more, I'm going to go to church more. And that might benefit you. But what I want to be able to suggest to you is what are you actually doing that makes a difference in the kingdom around you? Because those are the things, those are the evidences of a really true faith in Jesus. 
I'm not saying Bible studies are bad. I'm not saying prayer is bad. Do all of that. But if you're really wanting to up your game when it comes to connecting and having true faith, let me give you five suggestions today that you could live that out. Five ways that I think you could possibly tap into and have a little bit of sense of a, a deeper faith, a truer faith. The first thing I would say is inject a little bit of mission into it. Do you know that God has a plan for your life? Moreover, God has a plan for life. Life here on earth is part of God's plan, and God's plan is to redeem the world, not just save your soul, not just give you a get-out-of-hell-free card, but to get you to, to benefit the world around you. That's his mission. And so if your faith, you need a boost in your faith, you need a faith boost, then inject a little bit of mission into that. Do the normal things that you do, but do them on mission. Do them on purpose. Do them to reach out and to love others and to redeem the world around you. Live on mission. I tell you, in the first service, we had this great time of prayer, and both my, my two older kids were up here, and I, they sat them both down, and I kneeled down upon, behind them, and I placed their hand on their shoulders, and while Pastor Jeff was praying, I was praying in their ears. And this is what I prayed. I did not pray for God to keep them safe. I did not pray for God to give them a great year, for them to get straight A's. I prayed that they would be in the schools on mission for Jesus. Every morning, we remind our kids four things when they get out to the door. We tell them to love Jesus, love others, to look for the lonelies, and be an active learner. Those are four things that we encourage them every year they've gone to school, every day in the morning. Do you hear that? To look for the lonelies, to live on mission, to do what you normally do, but inject God's mission into it. So what does that look like? So maybe you're mowing your lawn and you're keeping your head up and maybe it doesn't matter about how neat the lawn is, but you're looking for people who are walking around to interact with them. Maybe you go for a walk, and instead of focusing on what you want to do and your route, you're keeping your ears and your mind and your thoughts open for how you might interact with people. Maybe at work, you're not just going there and punching the clock and getting the time done, but you're keeping your eyes open, looking for the mission, looking for the lonelies, looking for those who you might encourage. If you want to boost your faith, maybe inject a little bit of mission into it. Second point, have a, bit, a little bit of fun with it. I've read so many, so many uh, research reports and books about people leaving the faith of, of Christianity, leaving the church, and one of the common things is it's boring, it's not relevant, I don't think it fits in my normal life, I don't want to be a part of those people, and part of it is it just seems so dull. So I would say inject some fun into it. I think as as far as throwing parties, Christ followers should throw the best parties. We should, have the, we should have the most fun. Here's something that you can do. Maybe not just invect a little bit of, um, have a little bit of fun with it. Maybe have a little food with it. Amen? Here's a great idea. When's the last time you invited someone at this church out to eat with you after church? Who here is going to eat after church anyway? Who here not so much? Skipping food today, okay, yeah. So we're gonna eat, right? Why don't invite someone in? 
Why don't say, hey, let's go down and grab a burger together. Hey, let's go get a salad together. Let's go do this together and inject some fun into it. Number three, make it a bit more interactive. Make your faith interactive. Two points with this, okay? Ask more questions and get off your soapbox, okay? Every time you make a point, every time you draw a line, every time you get on your soapbox, you're drawing a line in the sand, and every time you draw a line in the sand, someone else will be on the other side of that line. And so instead, who here has ever known someone that they disagree with? Okay. Who here would really like to convince that person that, that you're right and they're wrong? That ain't going to work, right? Have you tried that? Have you tried that on Facebook? Does that work? So get off your soapbox. And here's an idea. When you find someone that you disagree with, ask questions. Get to know their point of view. You don't have to agree with it. But ask questions. Make your faith a bit more interactive. Number four, involve your whole family. There's a lie that exists in our culture to think that our relationship with Jesus is for me and me alone. And it was never intended for you to do solo. It was always intended to do, you, to do with a family. So involve your family in your faith. Pray together. Invite people to pray with you. Do Bible studies together. Do mission together. Talk about Jesus together. Invite the whole family, from the little littles to the old olds. Invite them in. If you say, listen, I live by myself. I don't have a family. Well, you do. It's us. And you might not want it, but we're here for you and you will be our family. The community of faith here can be your family. So come and interact with us. Don't do your faith solo. Don't do your connection with God vertical solo. Involve other people. That's the way it was designed to be. The last thing, increase your hangout time. Sometimes I've heard people, listen, I just really need to share my faith with so-and-so. What really that means is you need to evangelize them until they show up at the altar, right? till they pray the sinner's prayer. That's what you're really wanting. You know that they need Jesus, and so you want to get them there. You want to get them over the hump. You want to get them committed. You want to make sure they sign on the dotted line and they get their get-out-of-hell-free card. Let me tell you, sharing your faith is about hanging out with someone, not getting them to pray any kind of prayer. You can't save them. Jesus saves them. But you can hang out with them. You can get to know them. You can build a relationship with them. You can enjoy them and not see them as a project or a lost cause that you need to save, but instead be their friend. So increase hangout time. Increase the time. Now, is this messy? Who here's got extra time in their schedule? None of us do. But that's the kind of faith that has action to it. That's the kind of this righteousness that we live and can live when we connect with God. Amen? Band, come on up. We're going to close, and uh, we're going to have an opportunity to, to wrap this up today. My prayer is that you would experience uh, some of this, that you'd put this into action, that maybe you take one idea today and, and write that down or type that in your phone or 
tap, tap on your spouse or the person in the pew and say, can you keep me accountable to this? This is one way I want to live this out. I want to make sure my faith manifests itself in good works around me. I want to make sure that my faith is true and I'm living that out in a positive and powerful way. That's my prayer for you. Why don't you stand with us and we receive the blessing as we go. The band's going to pr- play us out after we're done, but receive this blessing. Father, we love you and we thank you for who you are. You know that you are at work in, in our lives and that you are active and that you call us to action, to put our uh, faith in action. So, Father, help us to live that out today. I pray for the individual who's struggling with a little idea. So what do I do that you communicate clearly about what a next step is? Maybe it's an individual that they need to reach out to and to live on mission, someone at their work or someone in their neighborhood. Or maybe they need to uh, invite someone out to eat and and, and have some fun with some people. Or maybe they need to, to have that person that they know really needs your faith and needs your grace and mercy in their lives. And maybe they just need to carve out some time to spend with them. Maybe they need to show someone the courage to to let something go, to create some space, to create some margin in their life so that they can be a little more active. Father, I pray for the individual who feels lonely today, who says, even though I have a family, (laughs) this is my family. I pray that you would Uh, They would feel embraced by this church, embraced by the community, embraced by your body, Lord. And that we'd experience what it means to live out the faith that we proclaim. We love you, Jesus. And I pray a blessing over these, your people, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We love you guys. If you want to talk or pray, we're here for you. We'll see you next week. Man's going to play us out.